I'm Tom Zalatni. And I'm Tefera Jemian. And you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week, we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Before we dig in, we'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where we're recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. And um, if you are listening to this and you are indigenous to North America and have... Uh, I guess, an expertise or a, a deep connection to indigenous bread culture, we would really love to talk to you on the show. Uh, that is uh, something we feel like we'd be remiss not to touch on a little bit at some point during our uh, year of too much bread. So uh, if you think you are the person to talk to us about that, uh, hit us up. We are easy to reach. You can find contact info in the description of this episode. So today... <laughs> We're continuing to talk about bread. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Uh, and we're talking about something that is near and dear to my heart. And uh, some of you have probably already guessed what this is. Today we're talking about some of the oldest bread in the world, sourdough. Mm -hmm. uh, I make sourdough a lot. I <laughs> actually started before it was cool. Uh -huh. um, I started making sourdough in 2018. Um, so it was before the uh, pandemic sourdough craze. Um, and I've kept it going because it is fun and super labor unintensive and also makes our daughter say, oh, my God, mom, this is the best bread in the world. <laughs> How do you make such good bread? You're so amazing. And frankly, I can use the ego boost. Yeah. Once you find something that makes the kids like praise you for your cooking skills, you're kind of going to use it a lot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, sourdough is the original leavened bread. Mm -hmm. Commercial yeast didn't become a thing until the 1800s, uh, really the mid-1800s. So right up until the Industrial Revolution, if you're talking about bread, you're talking about sourdough bread. You're talking yeah. about naturally leavened bread. You've probably heard people talk about a sourdough starter. Tom, do you know what a sourdough starter is I, fundamentally? Um, so I've eaten a lot more sourdough than I've like thought about, you know, yeah. if that's a fair way to put it. Like I have not spent a ton of time thinking about how sourdough works and, and what makes it exist, except for what you have, you know, passed on to me by virtue of us living together. Yep. I am a lay sourdough appreciator. I'll yes. put that out there. Yeah. Uh, I like sourdough a lot. I don't totally understand it, but I'm also a lay baker. I don't bake. Mm -hmm. I appreciate baked things. I, uh, I know how to tell when something is baked <laughs> and I know how to tell when it is not, but I don't bake. Uh, so for me, it is a tricky question, but I think, I think, and tell me if I'm right about this, sourdough is fermented dough that you uh, leave in your fridge or I guess keep at a regulated temperature so I, I you know usually keep in your fridge and you give it a little extra flour here and there to help it ferment more because 
fermented things need more non-fermented things to ferment and get bigger? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, you're, 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 you're basically, you're more or less correct. And okay. I feel like your understanding of sourdough starter is uh, probably the same as a lot of people's understanding. Sure. So, yes, sourdough, you use sourdough starter to leaven it. Okay. And sourdough starter is just flour, water, and thyme. Not the herb thyme, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. The, the, the thing thyme. Right. Um, but, I mean... That's that's a simplified and sort of uh, fanciful way of putting it. Um, biologically, physiologically, what happens with sourdough is the flour and the water um, sit out at room temperature and they gather wild yeast yeah. from the air. And this is why you end up with sourdough starters that taste different depending on where you store them. So if you take a bit of someone's sourdough starter and take it into your own house and feed it, eventually that, that bread will take on its own flour flavor profile. Sure. Yeah. So also why you have people talking about um, San Francisco sourdough, which comes mm. from a very old sourdough starter. Because if you keep feeding it, so you feed it flour and water and the little wild yeasts and beasties in the starter, eat it and digest it and mm-hmm. turn it into, uh, well, I was going to say turn it into leaven, but what actually happens is their digestion produces bubbles. Mm-hmm. And those bubbles make your bread rise. Okay. So you take a little bit of the sourdough culture or the sourdough starter. Um, you put it in with your water and flour and your salt, which I'll get into the process in a little bit. Sure, um, yeah. People have differing ideas about when you add the salt. Sure. Uh, and the little beasties become happy and they munch and they multiply um, and they uh, munch and they fart. And their little farts um, fill your bread dough with beautiful little airy pockets mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that uh, and then when it goes in the oven this is the same thing that happens with commercial yeast the gases expand because right. they're getting hot yeah and that makes your bread rise okay okay here a thing that i find interesting about sourdough is a thing that i also find interesting about wine and cheese and that is that I think this is probably true of all fermented products, but especially ones that are fermented in specific places and and with like air involved in the process is that they all go through a sort of terroir influenced thing. Uh, And I've never thought about how sourdough has that as well, because you think about that a lot with wine and cheese, yeah. because they are both like <laughs> the kind of things that get those like European protected designation stamps on them, where it's yeah. like, you can't call this champagne unless it's from Champagne, or you can't call this Gruyere unless it's from the Alps. Like it's, there's a very specific kind of way that things taste when they're made in a specific place, and you can make something that's the same in another place but it'll be different because it'll taste different because it's different and I've never thought about that but like of course that's true of sourdough as well because it is like I mean one the flour is going to be probably not exactly the same right Mm -hmm. and two yeah the environment that you're in is going to be different the air is going to be different in our house even from our upstairs neighbors yep that's wild. Well, like, for example, I always keep... So you you said sourdough starter has to be kept in the fridge, and that is not correct. I okay. keep my sourdough starter in the fridge usually. Okay. Um, That's why I corrected myself and said kept at a stable temperature. Yes. <laughs> the temperature doesn't really matter, except okay. that if it gets too hot or too cold, it'll kill off the yeast. But okay. 
the warmer it is, the faster the beastie metabolism goes. Okay. So the more often you have to feed it. So if you keep it on the counter, you really should feed it every day. I never do, you may have noticed. Sure. But if you keep it on the counter, you really ought to feed it on the, every day. If you keep it in the fridge, you can get away with just feeding it before you're going to make bread. Okay. Um, so I keep it in the fridge because I don't bake every day. Right. Um, but if you are baking every day, if you are putting out a whole lot of, of production, if you're like, for example, in a bakery. Sure, yeah. Um, you're just going to keep it out at room temperature, but covered with a cloth so no bugs or anything get into mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. Um, and uh, feed it daily. Okay. Um, but yeah, this is something I mean with my sourdough starter. So I got this four years ago mm-hmm. um, from a group in our neighborhood <laughs> called The Breadline who right. teach people about sourdough. Um, and... I got my sourdough starter from them initially. I have shared it with so many people. Mm-hmm. I have dried mm-hmm. it and sent it in the mail to Texas where it has been That's, reconstituted. I was going to say, I think <sighs> like three or four of our patrons on the show have your sourdough. I think that's true, although I think Gab's died. Okay, okay. <laughs> but like the Texas one was Kendallin, right? Yeah, yeah. Kendallin has it. And Erica has some. Erica has some. Does Chantal have some of our sourdough? Oh, Probably. Probably. Probably, I think so. Um, and that's the nice thing is that it just it grows and grows and you really can just kind of feed everybody with it. Right. But mine specifically, I keep it when I keep it on the counter and when I feed it, it's right near where we keep our fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have noticed to me, my sourdough starter always smells very fruity. I mean, it mm-hmm. often smells fruity because sometimes it's the same yeast. Sure. But very yeah. specifically, mine has a... Um, pear smell it okay. has like a nice faint pear smell right. when it's happy and and doing well when mm. it is not happy it smells like acetone which is also something we can get it sure sure well it's interesting like because uh, i'm sorry but i'm always going to come back to cheese when we're, when we're talking about fermentation yeah. because well, it's kind of, i'm a cheese person it's kind of fun that sort yeah. of the pillars of food at least european food are all based on fermentation of course and well, i said european that's... but it's really middle eastern that stuff really yeah, but Bread, also wine, like it's cheese. kind of universal fermentation. Let's be real. Like, fermentation. Well, yes, because we did not have refrigeration <laughs> exactly. until what a hundred years ago. Well, that's it. The reason um, that wine became such a big thing was because it was safer to drink than water. Yeah, like every everything is fermented as a sort of storage, like a safe storage, mm-hmm. food preservation, life. Mm-hmm extending process right and i personally think it's extremely cool that we can domesticate yeasts and beasties to eat harmful bacteria yeah like that's essentially what fermentation is it rules it's really cool (laughs) but um but yeah it's it's interesting to me that like the sourdough here is as fruity as it is because i think about that like cheese can get that fruity flavor as well you can get a kind of fruity note to Mm -hmm. cheeses Despite cheeses not being a fruit, right? Yeah. Like, obviously, wine is going to be fruity because it's fucking grapes. Yeah. But cheese and bread are both not grapes. Yeah. So it's really interesting to me that, like, fermentation seems to do something that, I mean, maybe it's just it's just that bacteria tastes like fruit sometimes. I, I mean, don't know. I'm sure a chemist could tell us about this, but the, the, the flavor molecules are called esters. And I'm sure what it is is that there are some common esters formed in fermentation that are also present in fruit. Right. Um, but again, I am not a biochemist, uh, and I'm going to leave that. If you're a biochemist and you want to come explain the, the, the like <laughs> science of taste, please do. Yeah. I think that would be rad. But I really appreciate how this show is always so educational. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, Tom just clarifying for us that bread and cheese... Not grapes. Yeah, believe it or not, 
Bread and cheese, not grapes. Now a raisin bread kind of toes the line, and Kinda I will grapes. admit that that's real. Um, um, it's true. We have bread, a, sometimes grapes. Yeah, and I guess if you're thinking about it, you know, beyond grapes, there are, say, an apple smoked cheddar, right? That that has apple wood smoke infused into it. So you could make the case that that cheese is kind of fruit adjacent. But apple, not grape. No, apple, not grape. Mm-hmm. Apple, not grape. Cheese, not grape. Bread, not grape. Bread, not grape. Bread, cheese, sometimes grape, but not always apple. Yes. Yeah. The more you learn, the more you know. Uh, so the fruity. <laughs> to our show. Wow. The fruity aroma, according to cheesescience.org. Uh, much like many of the other complex aromatypes in cheese, come from a variety of compounds. In many cases, esters are generated from enzymatic activity in cheese resulting from cultures or endogenous compounds in the milk. So that's kind of a cop-out answer, but basically but, but it's, what I it's said. true. Yeah. Do you want to know how I know about esters? Because of the book of the Bible about no, her? No, that's not... <laughs> What are esters? Esters are without an H, uh-huh. uh, and they are flavor molecules, as I already said. A lot of people in the Bible were without an H before the Lord intervened and gave them the H's in their names. <laughs> it used to be called Sour Doug. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the reason I know about esters is because in my high school chemistry book, there was a two-page spread of just like a beautiful close-up picture of loads of fruit, wow. and you know how I feel about fruit. Ester is the centerfold? Yes. Wow. It was centerfold ester. You know how I feel about fruit. Yeah. So I, do. I would just open my chemistry book to that page to like look at fruit. Yes. <laughs> yes. Tom's doing the centerfold thing, but like it's genuinely true. This sure. is how I treated those pages in my chemistry book. Um, and so I would read the text, and the text was all about <laughs> esters, and that is why this is the one thing I have retained uh, from from grade ten chemistry. Well, except for the mitochondria, obviously. Mitochondria, please. Mitochondria I had on lock by the time I was like six. Oh, I used to read cellular biology books for fun. Nerd. I used to intern at MIT. I have a whole past. (laughs) (laughs) Sorted, a dark past. Of science. Ooh, yucky. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So how did you get into baking sourdough? Like, when did you first start? Was it four years ago when when Breadline gave you the starter or did you like play around with it a little before that what's your like tell me about your sourdough history i truly uh never never dabbled in sourdough um before the breadline but uh way back in 2010 2011 when i was living with lizzie tenhove in a big old ramshackle apartment in the plateau which has since burned to the ground probably because our furnace was from 1904 uh we lived in this big apartment with three other people and Lizzie had a little sourdough starter named Pierre Mm -hmm. uh, who she would feed and tend to daily so that was probably my first I mean I'm sure my hippie mother had a sourdough starter at some point but sure that was my first real exposure to sourdough was Pierre Um, but at the time I wasn't I didn't really eat food at that point in my life (laughs) Um, so like I didn't really get into Pierre um and I was also like gluten-free and more strictly gluten-free then uh, than I was uh, than I am now but I didn't ever make sourdough I felt like it was probably too fussy and too much work and too difficult but then I got into making the no need 
uh, yeasted bread that mm-hmm. like pretty much everybody got into before sourdough. Sure, so that's yeah. kind of the entry drug for most people okay. because it is it is you do use yeast, but it is a slow ferment in the fridge. You do cook it in the Dutch oven the same way I cook the sourdough. Um, so process wise, it's really similar, but it's faster. I saw an advertisement for the Breadline Sourdough Workshop. Um, Toby was like three months old and I brought him with me. And I think I really just like I needed something to do. I was bored. I wanted to get out of the house. It was advertised somewhere. Like I think I really just saw it on a neighborhood board somewhere. And was like, yeah, I'm going to go to that. (laughs) And it was like 25 bucks. uh, And it was like a two hour long educational session. And it was really fun. It was like, you know, this pre-pandemic time when you could literally just go to someone's kitchen with half a dozen other people and do a workshop together. (laughs) And they taught us not just how to prepare the dough, but also like and the baking process, but also like how to make sourdough pasta, how to make sourdough crackers with the discard. Toby lay very happily in the corner and like charmed everybody and it was really cute and it was just really nice. Mm -hmm. It was like such a nice neighborhood thing. Yeah. My first loaf, I don't know, do you remember my first loaf? Not really, honestly, but if it was when Toby was like three, four months old, like I don't remember much from that time. It was a disaster. Okay. My first loaf was a Frisbee. Um, (gasps) I do remember the Frisbee. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it did not rise. It did not brown. It looked real bad. It tasted it okay. it tasted pretty nice. Yeah. It tasted pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. Then I just, you know, I was I was at home because I was at home with Toby. Uh, and I just kind of got into doing it regularly. And for mm. a while, at that point, I was still eating gluten. So for a while, I was making it really, really frequently. Yeah, yeah. My first loaves weren't great. I did a lot of trial and error. Sure. I was like followed the Reddit sourdough subreddit, which is actually really good. It's just mm-hmm. like our sourdough and it's really, really, really helpful. Would you say that you got bread pilled? Yeah, I got a hundred percent bread pilled. It's just appealing. I love yeah, the yeah. flavor. Like I think it tastes a lot nicer mm-hmm. than than homemade yeasted bread, sure. personally. Unless you're making something like that you really do need yeast in, like a sure or like a like a honey oat bread or something like I'm yeah. sure you can make them sourdough but I feel like there's no point and it's communal like I mm-hmm. I, I taught a bunch of people how to make sourdough for a while I was selling loaves yeah. to friends <laughs> um, and it was just it's fun it it's yeah. not very labor intensive and yeah and I just got into it so like I've taken breaks honestly sure, like yeah. I've left my sourdough starter in the back of the fridge for like six months at a time and mm. then revived it and yeah. had it come back but yeah that's that's how I uh, that's how I got into sourdough cool yeah I mean I, I feel like there's something there's something to the community side of it that you bring up that like I think that is the thing that I find most appealing about it is mm. that it's one of those things that inherently leads to sharing yeah because you can't like if you're taking care of it if you're making bread daily with it or whatever like you're gonna end up with too much you know you're gonna end up with a lot of extra sourdough and you're gonna be able to give people starter like on a regular basis because you're like what do I do with all this extra starter and I think that there's something really cool about that because in a world where food costs too much all the time and I say this as someone who works at a grocery store like there is there is something to be said for things that like I was gonna say self procreate I guess yeah like they just they 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 are infinite yep you know where like to make a loaf of bread is already a fairly cheap thing yeah but when you have a sourdough starter it's even cheaper 
Yep. And it's like, okay, cool. Let's get the cheapest version of this. And it's tasty as all hell. And like, there's something really appealing about that. Like for my little communist self, like, I love it. Yeah. Well, it's, that's the thing is like, do you want to eat bread all day, every day? No, not really. Disagree. But like, well, no, but like, like, but if we had a big bag of flour, an oven and a supply of clean water. We would have bread every day. Yeah. And you can stay alive with yeah. bread every day, you know? Um, Just to clarify, we do. That's a that's a hypothetical for all people. No, but what I mean is like, <laughs> what I mean is like, like from a like food supply, food yeah. security. Yeah. Uh, it's really empowering. And yeah. I do, I have this thing about food from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, a major way that I handle my eco-anxiety mm-hmm. uh, or my anxiety about the like global <laughs> economic collapse yeah. or things like that is um, by gathering knowledge. Mm-hmm. So I have a really good understanding of the edible plants that grow in our area. Yeah. And I have an understanding of how to make bread with very little. Yeah. And these are things that help me with general existential dread because I know that even if the grocery stores no longer have food as long as it's not winter uh, I know how to make us food right Right. and even in winter I could probably figure out how to make bread with your grill like yeah (laughs) um, and like squirrels are probably okay yeah yeah Yeah. well that's the one thing I don't have hunting and butchering yet but I guess you have butchering now right Mm -hmm. how hard can it be to hunt a squirrel too let's be fair they're very fast. Bring them some sourdough. Mm. Lure them in. Yeah. Munchy, munchy. Yeah. Crunchy, crunchy. Good point. Sourdough, a tool for the end of the world. Okay, but like this is why like keeping poultry in cities should be okay. Yeah. And I have a whole thing about fascist aesthetics and urban planning, but we don't need to get into that today. Yeah. We'll play, we'll play chicken with fascist aesthetic conversations today and dodge out of the way of that one <laughs> hey how about we dodge right into the i was called it the money zone Let's the dodge, mineral dodge right into the money zone yeah. dodge right into the money zone money zone dodge right into the money zone i'm writing a lot of jingles today Oh, yeah. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode because you might miss one of my songs and wouldn't you miss that? That would be a a sad. While you're at it, please consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend, maybe a friend who like bread. Listen, podcasts are not unlike Sourdough Starter. There's (laughs) way too many of them. It is very cheap to have them around in your life. The more of them you listen to, the more of them are going to fucking show up in your newsfeed until you have no space for them anymore. And you can share them with a friend to spread the joy. And each one has its own special terroir. It's true. For every new rating and review we get during the month of May, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot, our local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of this show, you are um, helping regulate some of that terrible cost of food for mm. people who really need it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can read all about what The Depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. That's right, Tom. I skipped right by your bit about math. Hey, you know what? That's okay. Are you okay? Yeah. You didn't follow the order of operations, but I'll survive. Okay, cool. Okay, so let's talk about some alternative uses for sourdough. 
because obviously it's bread. So like, you know, the, the kind of default use for bread is bread. bread. Like, you know, you, you can toast it, you can sandwich it, whatever. Let's move past that. Yeah. What are some other fun ways to use sourdough? Um, now, do you mean bread specifically or do you mean sourdough starter? Because there are so many ways you can use sourdough starter. Let's go both. I'm, I'm excited about the like non-bread versions, even though mm-hmm. that feels a little naughty because we're supposed to be talking bread. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, talk, 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 talk to me. Tell me about all of Sourdough's potential. Sourdough's potential. Sourdough, he's sour because he doesn't recognize his potential. Oh. Um, no, but oh, 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 oh. Okay, but before I get into it, that just weirdly enough... Uh-huh. bizarrely reminded me of another very cool attribute of attribute yeah. of sourdough. We're going to just go with that. The sourness of sourdough. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but when you bite into a piece of sourdough, much like if you bite into a pickle, mm-hmm. uh, your mouth starts watering. The juices mm-hmm. come forth. Yeah. And this is one of the ways that sourdough actually supports digestion. Because the tartness makes your mouth water, and that means that when you're chewing it, you are actually more effectively digesting it in the chewing stage than something that doesn't make your mouth water like that. So the 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 enzymes and the tartness in the bread actually they help with the digestion process throughout, and it's part of why it's easier to digest. But that initial like mouthwatering experience is part of that because saliva has enzymes that break down food in your mouth and make it more easily digestible. Huh. And it's kind of cool. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting because like that, that acidity, that kind of, you know, mouthwatering acidity is, say it with me now, also in wine and cheese. Yes. <laughs> no, but it's true, right? Fermented stuff is good for us. Yeah, exactly. Like we, we, our bodies, I mean, I think because humans have eaten fermented food for such a long time, yeah. our digestive systems work very well with fermented yeah. foods for the most part. They like almost crave it a little. Yeah. Do you think that's fair to say? I think that's probably fair to say. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think there's a reason that we're all really drawn to fermented foods of one mm-hmm. kind or another. Yeah. Like um, whether it's bread or cheese or beer or wine or chocolate, kimchi. Like there's so many things yeah. that, you know. Yeah. Did you know chocolate's fermented? Uh, no. Tell me about this. Hold on. Um, random thing that I know from my food studies in college. But uh, they, when they pick cocoa pods they cut the cocoa pods off the tree and leave them to ferment on the ground uh and then harvest them from the ground once they have fermented Hmm. and that is part of the chocolate process fair enough it's kind of like a raisin like it has to because it or a dream deferred well (laughs) uh raisin in the sun that's okay it it, like it has to it has to dry a little, you know. Yep, it can't it, just be fresh off yeah, the plant. Yeah, yeah it, and it and it ferments a little, and that is what gives chocolate its distinctive flavor. Interesting. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, we love fermented foods. Yeah. Um, people <laughs> love fermented foods. Every culture has its own version of fermented foods. They're they're tasty. They're yeah. mouth watering. Yeah. Uh, kombucha, sauerkraut, pickle, ginger beer, beer wine. You know, like it's really ubiquitous everywhere, which yeah. is cool. So things you can do with sourdough starter. Let's say you have a sourdough starter. You just got your sourdough starter. You've been making bread. And part of the things that happens with sourdough is what we call discard. Because if you just feed, you have to feed sourdough. Uh, you can, there's differing varieties, but I feed it. So if I have 50 grams of sourdough starter, I feed it 100 grams of flour and 100 grams of water. If you do that every day, 
and you do not make a large batch of bread every day, you end up with so much sourdough starter yeah. so fast. Well, that was what was happening to you for a little while. Yes. Yeah. Um, because I did not want to throw it away. Sure. I felt bad throwing it away. However, what you can do is scoop up 50 grams of sourdough starter and feed it and take the rest. And that is what you call discard. So you can either collect it in a large container or throw it away, which some people do, but I always feel bad doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, give it to your friends, but eventually, I mean, unless you have just a lot of friends, um, you're, you're not going to have enough to sustain that because they're going to have their rapidly multiplying sourdoughs uh, to feed. Yeah. Um, or you can make stuff out of it. So when you make bread, you want the sourdough starter to be at its peak. You want it to be well-fed, bubbly, happy, because right. you want it to r- raise your bread high. But... If you're making something like pasta, you don't actually need that, right? Because you don't need your pasta to rise. Right. Sourdough pasta is some of the best pasta I've ever made. Mm -hmm. Um, There's something about just that tiny bit of leavening to it that comes from the sourdough discard that gives it this beautiful, chewy, al dente flavor Mm -hmm. while it's still, or texture rather, while it's still very light. Yeah. Do you remember this? I made sourdough pasta a lot for a while. Uh, it is so yummy. Yeah. And then it also still gets that, again, that kind of acidic kick yeah. from mm-hmm. it being sourdough. Yeah. Which is nice because usually with pasta, you get that like kind of funky flavor from Parmesan or like Pecorino or mm-hmm. something. Uh, and you get like kind of an acidic kick from maybe like tomatoes in the sauce. But this can, if you do sourdough pasta, you can have your sauce be neither of those two things and still give you that kind of effect which is really nice with pesto but honestly it's so good with just butter it's so good just tossed with butter well that's it right because (laughs) and that makes sense because it's basically just sourdough bread but in a different form i mean not that like buttered noodles are a classic yeah um getting back into the maybe bread zone uh sourdough (laughs) banana bread is great You can also make a bread with both sourdough discard and yeast. So it'll be primarily leavened by yeast, but it still has some of that acidic flavor to it. Mm -hmm. The texture is more like a traditionally yeasted bread. I want to get into talking about the sourdough texture at some point, too, Uh, which is really just a high hydration bread texture. You can get it with yeast as well. You can make cookies. Like you really can find a recipe for just about anything with sourdough discard. Uh, the pancakes really good. Sure, sourdough yeah, discard yeah. makes really nice pancakes and waffles, um, brownies, crackers. Um, so the nice thing, you know, a cheese it. Mm-hmm. What's the nice thing about a cheese it? The crunch and the funk. And what more about the flavor? What do you? Okay, maybe you and I disagree. I feel like if you eat like a goldfish cracker mm-hmm. and you eat like a cheese it. Mm-hmm. Their flavors are distinctly different, even sure. though they are both cheesy little crackers. Anyway, uh, I, we are clearly not on the same page here, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Um, Cheez-Its have a tang. They have an acidity. They do. You put a Cheez-It on your tongue and your mouth starts watering. Because of that, you can make little cheese crackers with sourdough discard that taste very cheesity um, and are really nice. Yeah. Uh, sour crackers are a special thing. Like sour and salty goes so nicely together. I made those rosemary crackers with it Ooh, that yeah, one time. You did. I yeah, those about were those. good. Those were good. Yeah, that's the thing. And like, I love a cheese it. Yeah. You know, like I do. It's one of my top tier crackers. And if we ever do a cracker episode, you know, cheese it will oh, be in there. Cheese its are so good, and yeah. I'm so upset that they haven't made gluten free ones yet. You'd think. 
You'd they think would they would. They would be really easy to make gluten-free, and yeah. I would eat all of them. That's the thing. Kind of wild. Like, yeah. a good sourdough cracker. Mm-hmm. Incredible. And, like, scale of, like, buttered toast to grilled cheese, how difficult would you say that a, that a thing of sourdough crackers is? I guess that's not, like, super far apart in difficulty level. Buttered toast and grilled cheese are almost the same. Okay, hardly though, because grilled cheese you can burn really easy. I guess that's more of a middle ground. What's like sourdough? Okay, okay. Scale of buttered toast to like Philly cheesesteak sandwich. This is not a scale, I understand, but making sourdough crackers is basically like making cookies. Okay. Is that what you want to hear? Yeah, there we go. Okay. (laughs) Of the alternative sourdough uses that you've found what's been like your absolute favorite is pancakes. it the crackers the pancakes, pancakes. okay i love sourdough pancakes sure. they're so yummy uh you can mix them the night before and they just sit and then they're like ready to go in the morning um they're consistently fluffy and and light and lovely um and who doesn't love pancakes yeah and like what would you say that the cost of sourdough pancakes like to make is similarly cheaper as it is with like sourdough bread, do you know what I mean? No, because the cost in pancakes is the eggs, the fat, yeah, like the oil, um, and you still vanilla. need all those for the sourdough. I ones. mean, pancakes are never very expensive. They're sure, pretty, yeah, yeah. they're a pretty cheap thing to make. Right. Um, but I don't think the sourdough makes a huge difference. Okay, okay, uh, it's just yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. No, I was just curious because I'm always thinking about that, right? Like, what are the sort of like workarounds that we can find for the economic side of things? And uh, yeah. Now I want to put a little word out for my for my gluten free babies mm-hmm, out mm-hmm. there. Um, you might be feeling like this show is not for you, but I want to let you know that. Um, this is not something I have personally done, but my sister and my brother have both had really great success doing gluten-free um, sourdough starters. Huh. You can do it. The bread is not exactly the same because we've talked about gluten and bread before. Sure. Um, but you can make... My brother's made 100% rye uh, sourdough starter and made various breads with that. And rye is a wheat and it is not gluten-free. Um, but you can also make... <laughs> I was like, I didn't know that rye wasn't. <laughs> that's that's on me. Uh, but you can make a a, a camet starter. Um, you can make uh, uh, basically any kind of grain. Yeah. You can do this with because grains ferment. Um, and my sister Tamika Ajemian is someone we should have on the show again sometime mm-hmm. to talk mm-hmm. about this because yeah. she does absolute witchcraft uh if you want to see some of the witchcraft of gluten-free baked goods my sister does her instagram is at bread and jam bakes um we can link it in the show notes uh but it is it is truly like the bread she makes with no gluten because she has celiac disease is absolutely incredible uh and if you are in maine i think some of you are in maine Um, Hi, Greg. You should look up Bread and Jam Bakes, and you should try. I think she's only doing private orders right now, um, but she makes, like, donuts and Pop-Tarts and cakes and breads, and all of them are gluten-free, and all of them are uh, incredible. Yeah. Um, Like, look at this. I'm pulling up some apricot pecan oat bread. I'm scrolling, and I just got to that. Yeah. That's gluten-free. Yeah. It's... It is yeah. it is baffling to me that we don't have more good gluten-free 
mass-produced bread available in stores. Yeah. Except, and here's something that I wanted to touch on before we wrap the episode, I think sourdough and I think bread in general is one of those things that is better off artisanal. Much like cheese, mm-hmm. much like wine, the ones that are the best, that taste the best, that have the most interesting things going on, are the ones that are made like kind of on a smaller production scale. Are we talking about local production again? Because you know that's the way to my heart. We might be. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like you talked about the terroir. Like, there's something really nice about having your local bread. There's mm-hmm. something really nice about having your local Levin, which is what people, or Levain is what people will call sourdough starter. Or Levon. Or Levon. Um, and I really like thinking about that. Like, Levon. A, a while back, a few years ago, an archaeologist took scrapings from pottery from yeah. an Egyptian tomb and made bread from the yeast. Now, this has been fairly criticized from a few perspectives one being that he was super not supposed to take scrapings (laughs) of the pottery and make bread out of it one being that you know uh, why does this white guy have stuff from an egyptian tomb which is you know and and i i want to say that i'm like not unaware of the problematic aspects of this particular happening. But we can criticize him while also acknowledging that it's kind of fucking cool. It's really cool that (laughs) Levin can survive for thousands of years. And this is something... So this was actually wanted to be my jumping off point. I was thinking about, um, like, my own family history. Uh, I'm going to talk about being Armenian again, Tom. Is that okay? Ding, 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 ding. Is that okay? Always. Is that okay? Take a shot, everybody. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Um, but my, the village my family's from, uh, does not exist anymore. Um, it was, it was totally destroyed in the genocide in a hundred years ago. Uh, it's now part of Turkey and it is ruins. And I was thinking about how cool it would be if there was, you know, remaining Levin somewhere Mm -hmm. and how cool it would be to reconstruct that to feed it in the same place you know because if we're talking about terroir like you can't make like can i make my ancestral lavash away from that space you know or does it have to be those wild yeasts right like what like what is it makes me think a lot about inheritance it makes me think a lot about place and it's really interesting thinking about like diaspora stuff and thinking about like third culture stuff and I don't know fourth culture stuff because now we have all kinds of those generations going but I I thought of that you know if we can remove it from the colonial tomb raiding side of things there's something really powerful about resurrecting a culture especially when your culture has been wiped out in one way or another or i don't like to say wiped out because i don't i don't think genocide is ever complete yeah um but suppressed and decimated and scattered yeah um and i know this is something you've talked about and thought about a lot in terms of jewish diaspora and black diaspora um, on the show and elsewhere but it's just really cool it's really cool to think about wild yeasts and the importance of place and also the idea that whenever you make sourdough, wherever your sourdough comes from, 
and wherever you're making it, it's something that is new and unique. Mm -hmm. It's something that is unique to wherever you're making it. Unique not just to your region, but to your kitchen and your hands because your hands are providing some of that natural yeast as you mix. And I mean, from what you were saying before, artisanal is really neat. I think that is so important. I think getting back to the the personal experience of food is so important and i love making things from scratch yeah that's it i it's interesting i hadn't thought about like i think there's something really powerful about that there's something really powerful about looking for your roots in in food Mm -hmm. right finding finding your roots in like whatever could potentially be left behind or something like that That, that's huge that's such a that's such a cool thing yeah yeah i I just i love that yeah well and 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 the fact that um, working with fermentation is working with like ancient creatures, you know, sure. <laughs> um, like it's cool to think about like, you know, how far has this yeast traveled? Like yeah. when you talk about, you know, the sourdough starters that were taken on the Oregon Trail right. that still exist um, or you know, people sourdough starters that have been in the family for generations and right. generations. Like, yeah. That's a living heirloom. Yeah. <laughs> it's extremely cool. It is. And like the fact that I have dried out sourdough starter and sent it to people is so wild to me. Like it's cool. It's cool. It's really cool. It's really cool. And it's cool when uh, I love food being alive. Yeah. I love food as a living thing. I love what that does like for us. You know, it, yeah. it for me, it really puts us kind of in our place in the network of living things. You know, we're nourishing our microbiome. Our microbiome is nourishing us. And we can, if I may, just get a little, a little woo-woo here for a minute. But like we can nourish the macrobiome then. We can be our own little beneficial yeasts in the world. Tom is making the most upset face. No, I'm laughing. <laughs> Be the beneficial yeast you wish to see in the world. Yeah, I think Barack Obama said that once, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, president. Vote bread for president. Sour. I guess you all already did that, actually. Sour Doug. <laughs> can one of our, can I just like put this out there? Many of you make art. If somebody could draw a picture of Sour Doug for me, yeah. I would be really happy. Can you, can and you make it into merch? Specifically make Sour Doug 2024 election posters? Sour Doug 2024. Is that when the next election is? Uh, right? The next Canadian election is like real soon. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. And on that note, Trevor, thank you for, uh, I feel like you really did the heavy lifting today and I sat here going, wow. It's about time, honestly. So. <laughs> uh, thank you for that because that ruled. And uh, I hope that listeners got as much mind blowing out of it as I did. That was really fun. Thank you. I love to have an opportunity to just nerd out about this stuff because I think it's very cool. Uh, Folks, if any of you are like fermentation people, biochemists, sourdough people, And you want to come talk to us and nerd out, reach out. Always. Uh, it's always. always really fun. Yeah. We have a uh, guest application form that you can fill out. It's in the description of this episode for ease of access. Now, for ease of departure, 
I don't know. It's the outro. Here we go. Boom. Thank you so much for listening to No Bad Food. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at No Bad Food Pod and individually at Teffer Bear and at Tom Zalatni. It's the best way that you can talk to us. It's really true. Yeah. If you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better, like little beneficial yeasties in our bread, head to patreon.com slash no bad food pod and donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll be joining the Roy, with the wrong ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendallin, Carlea, Thomas, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Chantal, David, and Erica. And I will send you some sourdough starter if you want. Ooh. Uh, our patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks like sourdough starter, the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. If that's exciting for you, I always expect there to be another one there. And so I say it like there's going to be an and. Um, there are fun perks and you can get sourdough starter and also select topics for episodes of the show. Mm-hmm. And that should be exciting for you. So head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and give us some money. Yeah, really like every dollar goes a long, long way. It's true. Yeah. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at Tee Public. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. Our theme music is by Zach, Bacterial Cultures Ingles, and our cover art is by David, Ancient Grains Flam. <laughs> you can find links for both of them in the description of this episode. And last but not least, this show was produced by Tom Zalatni and Tefra Jemian. That's us. Hey. And it will be edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upward Network. Hey. Future tips. It is. It, it, sorry, I just, I'm having some trouble. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. You're listening to this now, but I'm going to edit it later. Bye-bye. Bye. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. I'm Tefra Jemian, the producer and host of the Yeah Podcast, a young adult lit review podcast focusing on amplifying the diverse voices in YA literature. Join us as we dig into the world of young adult books, reviewing new releases, revisiting old classics, and exploring what YA lit can teach us at any age. Discover the world of YA Lit through exclusive author interviews, book reviews, genre smackdowns, and more. The Yeah Podcast, available through the Upward Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever else you find your podcasts. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! Hey there, I'm David. I'm Tess. I'm Giovanni. And I'm Greg. And we're Left Trigger, Right Trigger, your video game book club. Each episode, we pick a topic, and each of us brings a video game that we think best fits that topic. Tune into the show to find out how Super Mario Land is all about travel. Or how Bloodborne is a game about sacrifice. Or how SimCity is actually a conspiracy to mine data about human infrastructure. No, we have to stop with that. We're doing a a promo. Please stop. Intrigued? A little scared? Us too. Make sure to catch us every other Tuesday on your favorite podcatcher app. See you there.